The Maxine Goodman Levin College of Urban Affairs brings together individuals who are changing the face of urban America. Today, we meet Dr. Beth Nagy, Assistant Lecturer of Planning Practice at the Levin College. So welcome. Welcome, Dr. Nagy, to the Levin Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Levin Podcast. Um, uh, Today, we're going to kind of talk to you about your unique background and how you are with the Levin College. So first, I'm going to introduce myself. Uh, Hello, I'm Kristen Blazik. I'm the Coordinator of Student Recruitment for the College of Urban Affairs. Molly Schnoak, the uh, Project Manager for the Center for Community Planning and Development at the Levin College of Urban Affairs. Uh, Beth Nagy, uh, Assistant Lecturer of Planning Practice at the Levin College of Urban Affairs. Right. The one thing I want to point out real quick is that you do have your doctorate. I do. And that's something that I really want to talk about real quick. Okay. What type of doctorate do you have? Because I know it's different than what a lot of faculty have. Sure. Uh, uh, I have a Doctor of Education degree, an EDD, uh, in Urban Educational Leadership. Yeah. Uh, particularly how to design curriculum associated with urban planning and urban affairs. All right, awesome. So uh, where are you from? I'm originally from Cleveland. I grew up on the east side mostly, Uh, started uh, downtown, went to preschool at Tri-C, lived in the Slavic Village, uh, Shaker, Mayfield, South Euclid, graduated from Brush High School, moved to Cincinnati for a while, and uh, found my way back here uh, three years ago. All right. Um, real quick, do you have any hobbies? Um, I'm a mom. <laughs> That's a big hobby. That's a job and um, a hobby. Yes. <laughs> um, a community service uh, would probably be a hobby. Um, I'm a litter picker in the neighborhood and do some of the uh, neighborhoody kinds of things, like kids' events, and um, do some board service here and there, and uh, anything that I can uh, lend my assets to uh, where they might need help. All right. And so you went to Tri-C for preschool. I did. So you graduated from, with an associate's degree after preschool. <laughs> yes. I started early. <laughs> you started early. Um, and you went to Brush and stuff. And then I know you went to DAP. So where did you... So did you get your EDD from UC or... Yes. Yeah. Okay. All of my uh, education was at University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, took an elective class in high school in interior design. And I really enjoyed that, so I thought that maybe architecture might be the direction for me. And I was interested in uh, staying near to home, uh, kind of a one-tank trip kind of college away from home. And the University of Cincinnati was one of the uh, architecture programs that was well-known and uh, respected in the state. So I enrolled in the architecture program. And during my first year um, in that program, I realized that I was interested in more than just one structure designs that I was interested in the whole city and I wanted to widen my perspective. So I was walking down the college hallway, the College of Design, Art, Architecture and Planning um, and noticed a hallway that had a bunch of urban planning stuff on the wall and I had no idea what that was but I looked and I was like well there's more than one building there. There's a whole whole slew of buildings and um, there was a, a faculty member with a door open I was as I was looking at the materials on the wall and he turned out to be an advisor and he said you see something that interests you and I said yes but I don't know anything about it and so he said welcome to the uh, uh, College of DAP planning program come on in and let's talk about it and probably about 45 minutes to an hour later I was changing my major 
Good. Yeah. All right. So how did you end up in higher ed, though? Good question. Um, so I was uh, I completed my undergraduate degree um, in urban planning. It was really more a urban design oriented program, very artistic in nature. And um, I pursued my uh, graduate degree in um, uh, with a public administration focus. And in the meantime, while as a graduate student, um, one of the faculty members in my program asked if I would be interested in teaching one of the classes. They were looking for a faculty member. The class was a TBA um, at the time. And I said, I have no experience with teaching. And he said, but you have experience with this class. And I did. I had taken it as, um, as a student. And he said, so you'd be perfect. And it was known as the field trip class. Uh, where you took students to learn about the different kinds of sectors and positions that you could have as a planner. And I taught that class and I really enjoyed it and the students enjoyed it and I said I think I could do this again and I did it again and again and again and then I while I was working as a professional not to say that academics aren't professional but in a different in the professional um, uh, field I said, what do I need to do in order to do the teaching thing full time? And they said, well, you have to earn a doctoral degree. And I said, in what? And they said, in anything, per particularly the degree that you're interested in teaching. And I said, but I already know, I already know all the stuff that would, I would want to teach. I just don't know how to teach. And they said, well, why don't you look into education? And I said, ah, that's a pretty good idea. And so I found my way over to the Urban Educational Leadership Program in the College of Education. Um, I also believe it had uh, human services and criminal justice um, in that college. And I was very interested in community-engaged curriculum, um, how, how to present community planning or planning topics or really urban studies topics to um, lots of different audiences. Um, uh, traditional college student age, maybe uh, secondary school, like uh, upper high school level, um, and adult learners. So I learned a little pedagogy, I learned, I learned, a, learned a little andragogy. So, and then I was like, well, I think I need to go find a teaching job now. Didn't go as as quickly as I would hope to find that position, but I was gainfully employed in the in the public sector at that time and the position came available at um, the Levin College and I said I am perfect for that position and I applied and here I am and I'm so happy. But before that you spent a lot of years in um, practice and planning. Correct. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, the kinds of things that you did right mm -hmm. um, down in, in Cincinnati and you know sort of the difference between um, how you find Cleveland and Cincinnati in, in that world. Well, I'll start with the, the professional side of things and, mm -hmm. and how I'm making that connection to the classes, but um, so I, I had a very non-traditional planning path, uh, which I think kind of informed where I am today, and that most, uh, most planning graduates will find a planning firm where they do design work and contract work and responding to RFPs, or they go into the public sector working for government, uh, traditional county planning agency or city planning agency. Uh, maybe even some local uh, neighborhood planning, like at a CDC mm -hmm. uh, local neighborhood level. Um, I found myself at a school district, um, and that was a really strange uh, position. It was, uh, I worked in the facilities division at first, and my job uh, uh, was based on a technical skill I had at the time, which is GIS, mm -hmm. which stands for Geographic Information Systems. 
and it was uh, a fairly new technology at the time. I'm not going to say how long ago, <laughs> so that nobody knows how old I am. But um, I found my way into that position because they were um, the school district was embarking upon a rebuilding plan, just like Cleveland schools had a rebuilding plan. So uh, Cincinnati Public Schools was uh, wanted somebody to be able to help map all the things that they were doing, help with site planning for the actual school sites themselves. Um, recreational opportunities with other um, agencies um, and nonprofits in the community, enrollment planning. Uh, they weren't too familiar with census data, so I helped them with that and kind of gave them a little bit more of a full picture of what their district looked like, um, who was attending, uh, if they weren't attending, where were they going, um, showing where all the schools in the district were, and that's really where I learned Cincinnati really well. Um, spending my time uh, mapping and then going out into the field and verifying data and then showing them the power of GIS to be able to attach more information to students and schools and transportation routes and, and things like that. And so I stayed there for uh, eight years uh, until the rebuilding plan kind of was, was on its tail end and there wasn't a whole lot of mapping still needed and uh, a position came available at the Community Building Institute, which is uh, an arm or a division of Xavier University, uh, just a couple miles away from University of Cincinnati. And uh, they were looking for a project manager for a multi-million dollar community development grant. And I said, um, you know, even though I've been at the school district for seven years, eight years, I'm vested, and most people don't want to leave at that point, but I was still fairly young, and I wanted to expand my horizons, and so I took a pay cut, and I went to the Community Building Institute, and uh, worked on, uh, was the project manager for a grant called Place Matters, and uh, United Way and uh, Xavier University developed a partnership, and that's what funds this Community Building Institute. And so they act as a community development and planning arm for Xavier and also for United Way by contract when things come up. Um, little known uh, is that you don't really think of United Way as uh, a community development agency, but you know a lot of the work that they do supports community development. And so that was a place-based investing project. And what that means is they wanted to concentrate resources, uh, financial and otherwise, into smaller geographies than countywide or region-wide. And so they thought if they um, invested all of their resources in a smaller geography, they would see results faster. Um, and not only that, but instead of focusing on one program, they wanted to bring about 10 programs together in that place. So the three communities that I worked in um, um, on behalf of were um, um, act as a liaison and a, uh, lots of different things, but um, I worked with the Price Hill community on the west side, the Avondale community on the east side, um, and the city of Covington south of the river. Um, and what we did was, uh, the goal was to marry up social and human services, um, workforce development, housing, education, health, um, and um, planning kind of all together and to make sure all of those folks were having the same conversation and that they were leveraging their resources for a bigger, uh, uh, more impactful result. And um, so I worked with lots of community development corporations and other nonprofits, the city, um, and then a completely different state in Covington, so adapting to some of the different policies and rules uh, across the river. Um, 
And after five years, uh, the pilot program was a six-year program, and at the fifth year, it looked like it was going to continue, but in a different direction. And so, <coughs> excuse me, um, it looked like a good time for me to hand that work off uh, to the next staff person. And um, I found myself as a assistant uh, director of an academic center at Xavier University um, as a Oh gosh, what it was, I forget the title. Uh, Assistant Director of the um, Eigel Center for Community Engaged Learning. And my position um, was focused on students and teaching faculty uh, community engaged methods. So how to take their just in the classroom classes and develop more partnerships in the community, um, you know, often known as service learning, um, sometimes called community engaged learning. Um, but. I managed a faculty development academy for a year with eight to ten faculty members and eight to ten community partners and kind of put them together and then I worked with faculty on how to modify their syllabus to be able to incorporate those things and the community partners with you know how to work with an academic, a traditional academic um, and it was a great experience. Um, and the other uh, portion of my position was dedicated to a scholarship uh, program which was, uh, it was once known as the Service Fellows, and it had been renamed or, or refashioned into something called the Community Engaged Scholars. And they were a select group of students um, that had a really strong community service background and were leaning towards positions or careers in which they could be more impactful in a community-based setting um, in a nonprofit or public sector, or even entrepreneurial type position. It wasn't limited to any particular major. And uh, I would help um, put together their gatherings where we'd bring in some uh, fairly high-level speakers. Um, I would take those students out on excursions to different neighborhoods and different organizations to show them, hey, here's an opportunity, or were you familiar with this? And those organizations would give, kind of, here's what we do, and they'd take us on a tour. And um, students really enjoyed that, and it gave them a better feel for, oh, like that might be something I want to do. And um, so I worked in that position for about a year until they were at full capacity. Uh, they had an interim director at the time because the director actually came here to CSU, uh, Dr. Byron White. <laughs> so in you, the various roles that you had down in Cincinnati and getting to know the Cincinnati community, when you came up here, um, how did you find Cleveland, the difference between Cincinnati and uh, from when you had left and then come back? Well, it was a, it was a big difference. Um, I had visited in the meantime, but hadn't really tooled around and toured and saw the new sites or things. I would go to a baseball game every now and then, uh, went to a couple football games, uh, but didn't really hang around to take stock, um, mostly because I knew I was just visiting and I was going back. Uh, but when I returned, um, you know, I, I took a lot, uh, the first month while I was uh, helping the family get settled, um, in the few moments that I had, uh, to myself, um, I would get in the car and I'd just drive around. And I would look to see if the routes that I still took to the west side to go see my family were still around, and they weren't. Um, I found myself turned around a lot, and while the street um, was there last time and it's not there this time, um, which was, I was fine, it was just different, you know, and, uh, but gosh, you know, so much construction and um, new housing, and it's, um, Cleveland's beautiful. 
Cleveland is just beautiful, and and um, you know I know everybody had a all cities had a rough time during the recession, and Cincinnati was no different. You know, it was a really hard time, and Cincinnati is a little bit smaller uh, in terms of uh, its population of uh, the city proper, and so you know I would expect that Cleveland had a harder time uh, than Cincinnati did for um, starting the redevelopment process, um, but. What I was able to, um, a lot of my knowledge about public sector, private sector, the different kinds of organizations, the different sectors, different specialties, I just had to learn that all over again here in Cleveland. So a 22-year network that I developed in Cincinnati, I had to try to build a new network here in Cleveland. And um, that first year was tough just because of a 4-4 four, uh, four, four class load, which means I teach four classes per semester, and I have uh, anywhere from 150 to 200 students in fall and spring, which didn't give me a whole lot of time to reach out and meet with people, and mostly because I didn't know who to meet with. Um, and now that I'm in my third year, you know, I've, I've showed up to things that were interesting to me. I've suggested to students to go check out things, and I'll take them because I want to go too, and um, have met a lot of nice people, and a lot of the my colleagues in the college and around the university have been helpful, like, oh, you know, you should meet so-and-so. I'd be like, that'd be great. And, um, and I was just having a, a meeting with somebody this morning of somebody that I, I've wanted to talk to for a while. I just haven't had the opportunity to, and um, had a good talk this morning to learn more about the SAS Education um, Higher Education mm -hmm. Compact. Right. That's just something I'm interested in, and I think it's great that Cleveland has made that commitment. Well, how do you find how do you find the networks in Cleveland? So, in this idea of placemaking, right, in community development, but but how do you grow, expand, and and make a place thrive? The uh, the types of organizations, not necessarily the individual people, but the types of organizations that are mm -hmm. involved in that. Is there a difference between Cleveland and Cincinnati? I find that the type of um, community development and community planning philanthropies are very similar in their structure um, and have a lot of the similar styles of um, working. Uh, I imagine in Cleveland it's a little bit similar to Cincinnati or other cities where they still ask you, did you go to high school here? Where'd you go? Right here. Um, yeah. Yes. You said Westside? Uh, in Cincinnati. Oh, River Divided? I always felt a little city? bit like an outsider because they said, where are you from? You sound different. I say, we don't sound different in Cleveland, but we actually do. And um, so I never was really kind of fully embraced as, you know, born and raised in Cincinnati and had access to all those things. But everybody was still very easy to work with. And um, um, I was part of a lot of great teams. And um, when I came to Cleveland, I hope to employ that same philosophy um, and learn more about uh, one of the things that I had I really didn't realize was the uh, neighborhoods of Cleveland. And so as I learned like the neighborhoods of Cincinnati, so I wonder what that looks like in Cleveland because I had never that wasn't a concept to me when I was still here in high school. Mm -hmm. I knew that you know my grandma lived on uh, 44th uh, 44th Street, West 44th. But I didn't know that that had a neighborhood name. We always just said, we're going out to the west side. Um, so as I have um, learned more about the neighborhoods um, of Cleveland, that's been um, really cool. And I've had the opportunity to work with East Cleveland uh, last semester. I know that's not a neighborhood, but um, pretty close to Cleveland. Um, but also uh, the Clark Fulton community. I spent uh, uh, some course projects and, and just some time in the neighborhood uh, getting to 
know, you know, what what does the CDC do, and what does um, the uh, uh, um, Hispanic Business Center do, and um, what is the reach of community development? And uh, I know that gentrification is something that's uh, a high concern in Cleveland, and so I've talked to a lot of the CDCs about how do you work in those spaces and uh, try to create opportunities or partnerships to keep um, products and um, housing and resources affordable in the communities. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge for them because everybody will say we can't control the market. But I think they're coming up with lots of innovative ways to um, work with the market. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, and they're all doing it a little bit of a different way. And I don't know all of them because I don't, haven't spent time in all the communities. But um, that's probably one of the biggest um, the biggest learnings for me so far is uh, uh, are the communities and the specific neighborhoods within the city that I didn't know before. So it's almost like even though I grew up here, I'm learning it all over again as an adult. And um, I I'm still learning. And like I said, it took me 20 years to build a network like that in Cincinnati. So I've got a lot of catching up to do here in Cleveland. So teaching the students and, and, and being involved in higher education, um, what is one thing that you would like to stress to students about urban planning? Or what, is, what should they know going into urban planning? Mm -hmm. Like if they're interested in, you, you are interested in architecture and then you, send, you found urban planning. Mm -hmm. So what to, talk, like what to talk to students about urban planning and mm -hmm. what should they know about it? Um, one of the things that is a very generic definition for urban planning and then it's, it's land management and administration. That does not sound sexy, that does not sound exciting, but when you start talking about things like, hey, would you like a sexually oriented business to be located next to your house? And I'm like, oh, what? And I said, you can control something like that, or at least you can play a role in whether the land that's next to you is used for such a thing. Um, ask questions like, is it a good idea for a liquor store to be next to a school? Um, those are the kind of things that people are like, oh, wait a minute, you know, that's not a good thing. How do I get involved in, in, in that process or how, who do I talk to? And um, I think one of the things that I didn't realize um, as a young person or as a graduate in planning was that I could be involved in those communities and not just a staff person in an office that works on maps and blueprints, but I could actually go out and look around and talk to neighbors and talk to businesses and be like, well, what's going on here? And um, take a different approach than just being a, a technician. Um, but one of the skills that has, um, or one of the, yeah, it's a skill, um, that has followed me in all my positions or has been of value in all my positions is mapping. Um, so whereas um, geography may, uh, Geography isn't just geography, it's all the tools that you can use um, in geography. So um, how important are maps to us? Um, and mapping is a big deal. Um, and it is a skill that is sought after. And um, I would argue that if you are not using a map or mapping in some way that you're not really planning. Uh, because if you can't see the neighborhood and you can't see those dimensions and the connections and the space and all of that, then you're not really planning at all because you don't know what 
what you're working with. Right, and the patchwork of land use even within a, mm -hmm. a smaller space. But you know, when you talk about mapping a place, right, and the difference between Cincinnati and, and Cleveland and, and you know, I throw in Columbus, right, is you were talking earlier about population and mm -hmm. size, right? And so the scale of cities and oh. the scale of which you operate on mm -hmm. um, and, and trying to get the students to understand um, how do you plan for what is really a large dynamic place mm -hmm. right? and, and how complex that is you know what do they what do they think about a place like Cleveland and the, the kinds of stuff that you guys talk about like a liquor store in a neighborhood or mm -hmm. understanding the different neighborhoods of Cleveland well then it leads us into a discussion that's not necessarily uh, uh, quoted as being a planning discussion it becomes now an urban studies or urban affairs discussion um, and I think that's probably what I enjoy most is, well, planning is just one part of this whole thing, right? And um, then they start to think about, well, what else is connected to a city? And it's like infrastructure. Oh, yes, infrastructure, that's really important. What kind of infrastructure, you know? Are your sidewalks easy to walk on? Um, do you see flooding um, on the streets? What does the place look like? Yes, um, <laughs> not just aesthetics, you know, but, and. And sometimes what you see is not really what it is, that there are, there's a lot more going on in that community than what you see on the surface. It's the attractive and the, the kind of twinkle in the eye when you walk through a new community with new housing and new shops and stuff like that. But even if you're walking through a historic community that may not have that same glimmer on the outside, it has that glimmer on the inside usually, but you have to dig deeper. It's still so, a rich, dynamic place. Absolutely. Um, and probably has a lot more character um, that's hidden. That's hidden. Um, and then they start to think about, well, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Or, oh, maybe this community service work that I was doing at the church, maybe that's more than mm -hmm. I thought it was. And, um, oh, now I know why my grandma uh, went to the community council meetings or the city council meetings to talk about safety in our neighborhood or something like that. Mm -hmm. So a lot more uh, social issues start to arise. And whereas planners can't control social issues, um, urban affairs professionals can work more deliberately um, in that way with people um, and policies. And planning is just one part of that. And so I think it's the value of seeing the connection of that major with other things. Um, and whereas, of course, because I have a degree in planning, I'd love to see everybody be a planner. But um, again, that's just one spoke in the wheel. And if you want to be a planner, that's one thing. If you want to be a nonprofit uh, administration uh, professional, that's another thing. But that's all part of this whole urban world. Um, and, and also students that are coming from rural communities and suburban communities that just because we say urban doesn't mean that it's not connected to a suburban community or a rural community because we have this regional relationship. Right. And um, that's been, uh, I haven't had as many students that are from rural communities, but uh, just recently, you know, talking with a few students and when we were working with a Clark Fulton project, um, you know, asking them, you know, what you think of that dynamic? Have you been in Clark Fulton before? How did that feel different or look different? Um, and it was an experience for them. They're like, I've never been in that kind of place before. I hadn't been somewhere so dense. Um, or going through complete renovation of a whole block. That just doesn't happen in my rural community. Uh, but saying, we, we do have a connection to the urban community. You know, all those farm to table relationships or um, just because we have a lot of space um, doesn't mean that we don't want to do something with it. 
So I think lots of lots of different connections and lots of different things going on. All right. So where do you what do you see the next steps for students? I'm gonna re- I'm gonna say that sentence over again. Okay. That question is happening again. Because uh, where do you see our students going? Like, what do you want our students to take from our college to go out there and f- maybe work in Cleveland to do? Or any community. Or any right? community, Suburban right? Rural community, right? I hate to say what what I would like to see them. Um, I We're ask them where. They, yeah. <laughs> I usually talk to students a lot about you know what what they feel most comfortable with. Um, you know, do you like marketing? Do you like um, um, a direct client or direct um, neighborly interaction? Um, do you care about health and wellness or do you care about housing? And so I try to find something that they're really interested in already and that they thought might just be a hobby or oh, I just do this sometimes, but I really like it. I'm like, okay, so that could be a career. Um, and then they're, oh, I didn't realize that, or you already have some experience with running a uh, um, community service event or um, a forum talking about uh, education in your neighborhood, or you've been to city council meetings and they know you by your name now because you've been to so many, that that shouldn't be a hobby. That can be more than that. And students start to think about that differently. And so I think that they realize they can play a role in their community that they didn't think of before and that they could make a difference. Um, And I think that's an important learning, like, oh, that's not just this little thing that I do on the side sometimes. It's, that could be my career. Well, Dr. Nagy, this has been super amazing. I have one super important question to ask you. Are you ready? It's really important. I know. Um, So let's say you find yourself at a karaoke night Happened to. Happened to, on purpose. Uh And um, you go up to sing a song. Which karaoke song would you sing? Uh, I don't know which song in particular, but um, it it would probably be uh, some early Soundgarden um, or some early Beastie Boys. Okay. But there are so many to pick from. So many to pick from. Maybe that's what we'll do next time on the next podcast. The, the next podcast, we'll, we'll have you sing one of those. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you so, so much, Dr. Nagy. This has been absolutely amazing. Oh, yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting um, me. Thanks for having. And uh, if you guys like what you hear, make sure that you like and subscribe to the Levin page, the YouTube page, also this uh, podcast series. Uh, we are any forums coming up right now? Nothing for the summer, Nothing but in the, the fall summer. it's going to be in, great. In the fall, we've in got lots fall. going on in the fall. So make sure that you sign up for the forum email blast so that you can be up to date with all the events that are happening both at Levin and with the forum. And other than that, thank you again, and uh, this will conclude this episode of the Levin podcast.